right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Sala here. Got an interview coming up with Harris English shortly. Admittedly, I didn't really know a whole lot about Harris. I just had a sneaky suspicion that he'd be a good interview, and he did not disappoint. Really interesting comments on heckling, on what it was like to play with Bryce, and we recorded this last week shortly after the FedEx St. Jude uh, Invitational, which he and Bryson were in the final group pairing together. He's got stories from that day, what happened kind of on that back nine, being put on the clock and how that affected him, what he learned from it. Uh, very fascinating interview. I'm going to get get through this to make sure you can get to it. This podcast is, of course, brought to you by our friends at Whoop, Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com. You can use promo code NOLANGUP. That's all one word for 15% off everything on the website. It's got everything you could possibly want for personalized insights on sleep, on what kind of strain you're putting on your body, what days are best to put strain on your body, how well your body's actually recovering. Just getting eight, being eight hours and spending eight hours in bed is not getting eight hours of rest. If your heart rate is spiking, if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, your heart rate's probably going up. It gives you insight on all this stuff. Uh, we're all aging. Listen, I am aging. I'm in my mid 30s now, and my body was kind of breaking down on me there for a little while, but this this device, and I'm not exaggerating, helped me understand what worked for me and what didn't, right? You know, I might think I sleep great after a couple of drinks. Turns out the body does not get that kind of rest. Again, whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Use promo code NOLANGUP for 15% off on the website. Uh, it's obviously a, a product we're very passionate about, and you can see why a lot of professional athletes use it as well as just normal, everyday people. So without any further delay, let's get to our interview with Harris English. So the rumors have been flying around forever uh we had to bring you on just to confirm whether or not it's true can you confirm the rumors we've gotten out of sea island that you are indeed flushing the ball <laughs> yes the, the past couple of years the flush meter is definitely going up and uh appreciate big randy getting a scoop um <laughs> here from sea island but uh yeah if, if he keeps hearing i'm flushing then i must be doing something right so uh let's keep it going well, we're recording this on Wednesday uh, after the WGC, the St. Jude. It's going to come out uh, next week here. But uh, just kind of unpacking a little bit from this past week, you've had an incredible season. You're fifth in the FedEx Cup standings heading into the playoffs. You've won twice. How do you how do you balance a incredibly successful season by all measures with a tournament which the result got away from you at the very end, right? You've had all of this success, yet your route to a fourth place finish in Memphis was not the way you would have picked to get there. How do, <laughs> how do you balance that? What's it what's it what's it like? You know, a few days after that happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you'd have told me what two or three years ago when I was playing in the Corn Ferry Finals at this time that I would be fourth in the FedEx Cup standings, had two wins. I mean, I, I would have for sure taken it. And I like putting a positive spin on everything. And I was working with my coach today, Justin Parsons, and he said something pretty simple. Like, if you just flipped around your your rounds from last week and, and you shot 62 the last round, you shot 73, 65, 65, 62, you'd be standing here thinking about how good you're playing and, and what a great week you had, what a great turnaround. And, and if you just, he's great at that. He's great at helping me look at different situations and taking the positives out of it. And that's what I'm going to do this past week. I, I feel like I played probably the best golf of anybody. I didn't win, 
didn't have a good couple holes coming down the stretch there, but I, I played some some great golf and I feel like my game is the best it's ever been, the most consistent it's ever been. So I'm I'm taking last week as a positive and definitely made strides in the right direction, got myself in the hunt again, had a great chance to win. And the more and more I can do that, um, that's kind of how I how, how I grade myself on, on a tournament is, did I give myself a chance to win the tournament? Was I competitive? And I can check all those boxes from last week. And yeah, the outcome wasn't what I wanted to happen, but I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from being in that situation again and, and hopefully can do better next time. A lot I want to chat about there, but you, you said something interesting there about Justin Parsons, and I wanted to talk about him at some point anyways. But I think a lot of people, a lot of golf fans, view swing coaches or coaches in general as just being highly technical of what you guys work with. But the way you kind of described how his reaction to your play there, I'm curious how you view uh, like how messaging works from a teacher to a player, right? And how much is technical versus just you know reassuring that you know you are playing good golf? That is more, I would say, that's more of a, a mental kind of uh, coaching aspect of that. How would you how would you evaluate kind of the balance of those and how Justin does it in particular? Yeah, he he's been uh, way different from a from a coach's point of view than I've really ever had. Of he is my mental coach right now. He, he helps me a lot with the ups and downs of golf. Um, not just my swing when you get nerves, when you get under pressure, I mean, he, he's been around the game for a long time. He's worked with a lot of great, great players. Louis Ustase and Darren Clark, Charles Schwartzel. He's been around major champions before he knows how they think he knows uh, how, how tough it is to close out a tournament. And he's been great for me. Um, yeah, we work in the studio. We work on my swing a little bit, mainly working on the takeaway, but he's just the the total package of not just working on swing positions. I mean, a lot of the time we're working on how I'm carrying myself, my posture, my balance, stuff that a, a normal person wouldn't really think like, why are they working on that? But it's just the little things that he, he's helped me with the way I practice. <laughs> he's been, he's been amazing for me. And, and, has been so instrumental in, in my turnaround from, from a few years ago. And I do, I want to get into that, that turnaround as well, but going back to going back to Memphis, just take us back to kind of how things uh, played out on Sunday. It was uh, a lot of people were watching on television. It, your, your final pairing with Bryson, uh, both of you guys just totally kind of ran out of steam on that back nine. I think uh, some rules or pace issues kind of played a factor in all that. And I'm wondering if you can kind of set the scene for for us there. And uh, I'm sure I'll have a million follow-up questions based on that. <laughs> yeah, so how I like to get ready for a round or a, a tournament round um, in general is really from the time I wake up until the time I tee off, I, I try to keep it at the same pace. I try to really slow down. I try to do everything the same from the music I listen to, riding to the golf course, uh, I just like to, to really slow down. Um, I'm very rhythm-oriented. So I, I started the round in a, in a great rhythm, felt really good. Yeah, I bogeyed the first hole, but it, it is what it is. And got back into the round, um, started playing some good golf. And so on, we're walking down number five, and – rules official comes up to us. I don't think we're that, we're that far out of position. Bryson had just made bogey on four, chipped it short in the bunker. That took a little while, but walking up five and he said, okay, we're, we're going to time the group in front of you. So just forewarning, they're probably going to play a little faster. So that's pretty much like, okay, y'all, y'all need to keep up with them. 
So we play number five. He chips in for birdie. I make a short putt for par. No big deal. And then number six happens, and he hits it over there on the fence. Retees, hits another one. And it's kind of a weird – I didn't go over there to, to see what happened. I was standing in the fairway because uh, Ken Tackett came over and was, was helping Bryce and all that. But it, it took a while. I mean, dropping from the fence or, or figuring out if it was inbounds, out of bounds, first of all. The string came out. A, it, it's going to take yeah. a while. Whenever you see the string, it's going to take a while. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure Bryson has some different questions. And then he ended up taking a drop from the cart path. So it's like a, a double double ruling there. And it, it took a while. So we're here we are. Well, not on. Sorry, not on top of that. Drop from the cart path. Place it. It doesn't stay. Place it again. Doesn't stay. Place it. Place it. Finally, get it placed. Like all of this <laughs> takes time and contributes to what ultimately happens, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's gonna happen. I mean, you're you're gonna have long rulings like that. That wasn't his fault at, at all. It, it just sucked at the time that the group in front of us, Abe and Cam Smith, were getting time, so they were already taken off, and here we are really slowing down with with this drop and so I, I don't know how long that took didn't really affect me there i got to chill in the fairway for a while hit hit probably one of the best shots of the day up there made birdie and we didn't i didn't really think about it anymore until we get to number 10 and i, I could see the rules officials you, you can see them on the rope line they're kind of watching us or whatever and i think we took a pretty good while in number 10 and then could feel the the wind start picking up, the the storm rolling in, the sky gets darker, the wind picks up, and here we are going to number eleven, which no wind, that hole is not that hard. You got a pretty big space. It's either a full pitching wedge, little nine iron or whatever. But when the wind's picking up like that, when it's swirling, we don't know where it's coming from. It's not an easy hole at all. So. I, I hit the wrong club. I thought I hit a pretty good shot, hit it too high. The wind was into us short in the water, whatever. Okay. Like uh, take my double move on. Let's see if we can get some more birdies and walking up 12. I, I make five Bryson makes six. So obviously we took a long time there walking up 12. We're getting timed and <laughs> 12 is playing hard. The wind's dead. And I'm usually the last three days I hit three iron off that tee. I kind of play it out to the left, three iron, nine iron, three iron pitching wedge. And I knew hitting a three iron off that tee, I was going to have six or seven iron in. And it wasn't going to be a birdie hole. Um, so I knew, hit three wood, pulled it. Things started happening a little faster. And uh, it, it was just, it, it kind of spiraled a little bit. Of, I made a great par there. But it, it got me out of my rhythm. I, I don't like being timed. It's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves on tour. And I, I, I know I got to fix that. How often, if you're just estimating, if you're not being timed, are you going over 40 seconds pretty frequently? And, and I, I, I'm not asking that in, in a way, are you slow? I want to unpack that a little bit in terms of, I think that uh, it, there's not a lot of benefit to being a fast player on the PGA Tour is kind of what I'm getting at. It rarely benefits you, right? You, If you play fast, you're going to run into the group in front of you on nine times out of ten, right? So it is a, a skill, I think, to be able to manage your time and slow yourself down at times and not rush yourself. Yet when you get behind, having to speed up feels like it would be very difficult, especially when you're talking about all these win factors going on. It, it is. 
Like, like you said, I mean, when you're playing in a threesome, the first, the first two days, you, you definitely get in a rhythm and it's definitely a lot slower rhythm of you got two other guys hitting and, and you, you can take your time. And I don't, I feel like rarely a threesome gets out of position, but the weekend when you're playing a twosome, it's a, it's a totally different rhythm and, and pace to, to the round. And like you said, I mean, it, the first couple of days, it does not benefit you at all to, to play fast because you're going to be waiting a lot. And I've never really timed myself on my routine or how long I take. I mean, they have the PJ tour timings list or they have the observation list. And I, I haven't been on that before. Um, I've never exceeded the 10 timings a year. So I, I didn't really consider myself a slow player. I mean, I, I'm definitely aware of if the group or the round is playing slow, I can, I can play slow with the best of them. But if it's, it's, speeding up I feel like I can pick up my pace but I've never really been in that situation on the final round where I was so concerned with the pace and it, it affected me so much on my routine and and everything was kind of spiraling out of control on I, I couldn't slow down I couldn't slow my heart rate down walking from the greens to the tees I mean it was 100 100 degrees out there and I feel like I couldn't calm myself down to be able to to hit the shot which is is that a lesson I guess to to be learned here because you know if I'm looking I'm looking at it, I think it contributed greatly to about back nine forty I think you would agree with that and if I'm looking at the punishments for back, you first get a warning for the first time that you're over forty seconds and the next time is a one shot penalty I think in hindsight you would take both of those right that would have, that would have taken two bad times to get to that point so did you overrush yourself because you were put on the clock. I, I for sure did. Yeah, I for sure did. But um, I, I don't. I don't think that's fair to be able to do that. Of me playing as slow as I can. I, I know some guys would probably do that. Of, of they wouldn't let it affect them at all. But I don't think that's that fair to the rest of the the players in the field. That I I'm playing in the last group and I get to take however much time I want. I I don't see that as very fair. So I was I was trying to do whatever I can to get our group to help get our group back in position. And yeah, I mean, it, it cost me some shots for sure, but like I worked with Justin today on what strategies I can do or have my caddy Eric do to help us get to the ball a little faster to where we can really dial in our number and, and be comfortable with it and, and feel like I can go through my routine and, and not affect me. Hmm. I think everyone in golf too can, can say there's days on the golf course where, you have no idea why you're reacting the way that you are, right? I've had extremely unimportant rounds of golf that I get just uncontrollably frustrated at and, you know, very important rounds that I do poorly in and don't get frustrated. Like, it just, that's what it looked like to me. You were having one of those days where, you know, you, you can't really explain why you're reacting the way that you are. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it almost seemed like you realized that as soon as you got off the golf course. Is that, am I on to something? Yeah. Like? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, I guess when you're in the moment, sure. you, you wish you could be outside the ropes and be like, man, what like calm down. You're not just keep playing your game. Stay focused on your routine. And and I usually I usually don't let anything fluster me like that. Like I I'm usually very calm and don't let things bug me at all and for some reason that really bugged me and it it took me off my game. So I, I think that's, that's really the only thing I regret is how I let it affect me. But I, I know I'm probably going to be in that position again and 
I'm going to do things a little bit differently and I'm going to get better at it. Yeah, that's well said. Is there, because it, it seems like it's really hard to honestly point the blame anywhere. Honestly, not really at, at you for the pace, at Bryson for the, fa- for the pace, at the rules officials for the pace. Is it a policy thing? Is it something that it's like, hey, if we get a ruling here, a ruling that causes us to get further behind that you should be playing maybe under a different a different pace rule, and especially if you're in the last group and you're not holding anyone else up, is there is there any any am I, is there anything that should change in this regard? Yeah, that, that's hard. That that's really hard. I, I know that's discussed every single year on the PGA Tour, and, and they're trying to get it better. But I, I look at it as a just a very strange situation and a and a very unique circumstance that what happened to us. But I, I definitely get like if if we take ten minutes on a ruling we should kind of get those 10 minutes back of we, we shouldn't play 10 minutes faster than everybody else in the field on the next few holes. Um, so it, they, I'm sure they've talked about it endlessly. Um, but it, it's just something you, it, it's hard to, it's hard to put a, a finger on what's the perfect solution for that. That's uh, so hard to, yeah, it's so hard to write a rule for this, you know, it, it you know, the rule is extensive and, and, lengthy written and it's just yeah it just can't apply to all situations but coming down the stretch of a tournament like this as we approach the FedEx Cup playoffs and the tremendous tremendous prizes that come at the end of the FedEx Cup season and also kind of a forgotten about thing going into the end of the regular season is the Comcast business top 10 and really you're playing for a lot more than just the the tournament right in front of you especially at this late stage of a season does that enter your mind at all uh, prior to the round, during the round, does that, does that change anything or are you just focused on the golf tournament? Yeah, it, it doesn't really change anything. I mean, all, all that's gravy. I'm just really playing to, to win, I guess. I mean, uh, I, I want to, I, I love Southwind. I love that tournament. So I was just winning. I, I wanted that trophy. I, I wanted my name on a WGC trophy. So it's hard to it's hard to think about all that other stuff. I mean, that, that's the the weird thing about golf is there's there's always something else. There's always once you get top ten in the world, try to get the number one in the world, or there, there's always something else. So you can you can get so far of of looking ahead of of what all this stuff means that you kind of lose focus on what you have right in front of you. And that's what I try to do is what what's my task at hand? Um, I'm going to try to win this golf tournament today, and whatever comes of it comes of it. A quick break to check in with our friends at Golf Blueprint. Uh, you've heard DJ Pye say this, and this analogy has always stuck with me. For a long time, at least, I always would go to the gym and just kind of like, yeah, this machine's open, I'll do this. This machine's open, I'll do that. Had no workout plan. There's a reason why there's personal trainers in the gym. And there's a reason why if you are practicing, you're probably not getting enough out of your practice. The Golf Blueprint is a fantastic tool. They've got a couple membership structures. They've got a new membership structure. The, the player's membership is the one that everyone knows and loves. Uh, same as it has been, but they launched a new classic membership for those that don't if you don't have the time or the financial resources or you want something maybe a little less extensive, it's $39 a month versus the player's membership, which is $99 a month. Make your practice time worth it. Go to golfblueprint.com. Check out the membership structures. They give you great cards, and they just make practice, you know, not only is it very valuable for you, it's actually kind of fun. It makes you look forward to it. 
You know, it's something you can add to your calendar to say, I need to get this done today. And it, it will help your golf game 100%. They've got all kinds of data on how much they've helped people with their golf game. And uh, I strongly, strongly endorse this product. Golfblueprint.com. Let's get back to Harris English. What's it like playing in the in the final round of a PGA Tour event uh, these days with Bryson? What, what, what did you hear out there? And what, what, what's, the, uh, what's the atmosphere like? Yeah, I, I do enjoy playing with Bryson first off. I really enjoy seeing the shots he can he can pull off and just how he plays golf because it's so much different than the way I play play golf. His thought process is, is so much different. So I, I enjoy seeing that part of it. Um, but it, it has been a little bit of a circus. Um, it, it was a little bit of a circus in Memphis. If people don't like following Bryson, if they don't like the way he is, then don't then don't follow him. Don't. What, what I don't like is people following Bryson and heckling him, trying to mess him up. Like that's, that's where this whole golf gambling thing can get a little dicey is if, if a guy is betting against Bryson, he's going to go out there and try to mess him up the whole day. And yeah. that's not that fair, but I mean, I, I get it. I, I get that. Yes. He has probably put some up, on this himself he he's he's said some things that he shouldn't have said but it's just tough he's in a tough spot right now i, I wish he would he would come to the media and kind of tell him and and be honest with what he's going through and it affects him i mean i, I didn't like that he blew off the media last week i i, I don't think that helps him a lot um but I, I wish i wish him and brooks would put this to bed and they can let it go and then the fans can let it go and and get back to golf fans being golf fans and enjoying golf and pulling for guys and not having this heckling, this bullying going on that's going on because it sucks. And it's, uh, it's a little bit distracting, obviously playing with him as well. I mean, you, you feel bad for him and it, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. No, I think the game changed when incent you know, people were being incentivized to heckle another player. Uh, I thought it was fun, funny for the most part. Uh, the back and forths, and then when that happened, I I just got as soon as it happened, I said, "Oh no! Like this is not gonna yeah. go." Baba Bowie has been in our lives for like twenty five years now. Like people <laughs> people just don't let this stuff go very easily, and it's really hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. And that's kind of you know I hadn't really even thought of it from the perspective of like the playing partner. Like if you have a heart, right? Uh, the playing partner is gonna like feel like you're gonna feel something in relation to that as you hear it. You know, even if it's not directed at you, it's kind of like. It's it's not a great vibe, and that's a, I honestly hadn't even thought of it down to the detail of like yeah you can make a simple head to head bet against Bryson uh, in a match and and walk around and heckle him the entire day, that's that's not a great great thing for the game of golf. It was yeah, not great. Yeah, when- so I think that's where they gotta they gotta watch it. I I didn't I didn't see him going up to any cops in our group or anything trying to stop it, but you can't really stop that. Uh, it was happening uh, with multiple people pretty much every hole and. Uh, I don't know how they put a stop to it or an end to it, um, but I think it's just going to keep happening because people get an enjoyment out of it. They think they're funny, but it's really, it, it hurts not just them, it hurts everybody, I feel like. Yeah. Well, on a totally different note, uh, you know, we got a lot to lot to chat about, about the uh, a bit of the ups and downs in your career, but I, I want to start it with this. Almost a decade into your pro career, Give us your review of your career to date. Have you exceeded, met, or fallen short of uh, of what you were expecting? What's your career review personally? Right now, I, I feel like I've I've met it. I mean, I, I definitely have a lot more to do that I that I want to do in this game. I mean, 
obviously with the Ryder Cup coming up, I really want to make that team. Um, I feel like that's the pinnacle of our sport. But I, I feel like for the most part, I've been pretty under the radar, pretty underrated for all of my career. And I've probably proven a lot of people wrong, but I, I don't play this game to prove people wrong. I, I play this game for myself and the enjoyment and I love competing. I mean, that, that's why I've played since I was a kid. I, I love the feeling of, of trying to win golf tournaments and uh, I love practicing. I love trying to work on my craft out of the course. And it's just a lot, a lot of fun to be able to, to compete against the best players in the world. And um, this is by far the best season I've had. I, hopefully I'm, I'm not done and I can keep going and, and keep continuing this, this run for a long time. But I, I'm, I'm happy with my career. Obviously, your career is kind of defined by the wins and losses, unfortunately. But uh, I feel like I've had, I've had both. I've taken, the, taken it on the chin, and uh, I feel like I've prevailed a good bit too. So I'm, I'm really happy with the way I've, I've fought back. I mean, it, it would have been easy a few years ago to, to give up and, and say, oh, I've made this much money in the game. I've done this, done that. I'm going to. I'm going to be done, but I, I didn't want to do that. I, I felt like I, I had a lot, a lot more to go and I, I knew I could do it. I, I knew I could contend in majors. I knew I could win more golf tournaments. And um, that's probably the most, the thing I'm most proud of is the way I fought back, the way I dug it out of the ground and, and got my game back. Well, how would you, how would you characterize, you know, your game declining as to, you know, what, what the contributing factors were, if it's a, typical kind of um i don't know late 20s swoon or you know were you looking around too much and seeing other things that people were doing and trying to you know do a million different things rather than focusing on being yourself i might be cheating a little bit i may have heard you reference that in the past but i i, I want to kind of hear you you know explain you know why it, it's, it's one of those things that like when things are going wrong you cannot put a finger on why that is like you just kind of sit around and are dreading dreading it and wondering how to get it back. But I'm wondering if your perspective on why your decline uh, happened, uh, if you've gained any perspective on that now that you've got your game back and better than ever. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I feel like at this point in my career, I've, I've pretty much played with everybody and has seen everybody swing, everybody, how, how, they, how they play golf. And I guess early in my career, it was a little shocking of playing with some of these guys. I'm like, wow, I've never seen a guy hit the golf ball like that or a uh, swing that good. Um, this guy's way better than me. I've got to, I've got to get a lot better. It really came down to, I didn't have a whole lot of structure in the way I practiced or I didn't really know what I did in my swing that made me good. I just did it. And when it got off, I didn't know why it got off or how to get it back on track. And I, I think that was the root of the, the problem, I guess, is I, I relied too much on, I, I, yeah, I worked really hard and I, I had a lot of talent, but I, I didn't know why I did certain things. And I felt like that's what Justin has helped me a lot with is getting, getting a lot of structure in the way I practice and the way I prepare. So I know if something gets off, how to, how to get it back on track. So I feel like I have a pretty good formula right now of what I do when I'm at home preparing for a golf tournament and what I do on the road when I'm preparing for a golf tournament. So I feel like I've stuck to that and it has made me a, a lot more consistent of a player um, because I, I hate missing cuts and 
I feel like that's that's one part of my game that has gotten a lot better is I, I've been way more consistent over the past couple of years of making a lot of cuts, contending in tournaments, and, and not having those shockingly bad rounds. Well, it's interesting. The the more years I get into covering golf, I, I see more cycles with players, right? You see great peaks and kind of the the times where you wonder, you know, why something's going going the way it is. And hearing Padraig Harrington speak recently on the bliss of ignorance in a young player's career and kind of watching maybe Rory kind of go through a bit of that right now and, and on the other end of the spectrum, watching somebody succeed very early like Colin Morikawa. I'm wondering if you could kind of shed any light on just you, – you touched on it there of like you didn't know what made you good. That can be a great thing, right? When you're young, you know, you're not overthinking things. Uh, I'm just wondering if you could shed any light on kind of that – that uh, the benefits and the, uh, and the downfall, I guess, of uh, some ignorance to certain things within the game of golf. Yeah, I, I agree with with Padraig, and and I could see it playing last week with Colin. Of he's still young in this game. He he hasn't uh, had a whole lot of scar tissue. Of hasn't had a whole lot of, of bad stuff happen in his career, and and that's a great thing. I hope he continues that. But I mean, you can see it with Spieth as well. Spieth has gotten his game back, and from from the players I've I've seen, um, I love how Justin Thomas works at a tournament he he does the same thing he has a lot of structure and having his dad there his coach so I think that really keeps him uh, playing at a high level and he doesn't really have those dips of playing bad golf Xander's the same the same way so I've tried to add a lot more of that in my game that I, I feel like really helps me is is Justin coming on the road a lot more just having that structure and and knowing you're you're doing something right and and that positive influence on hey man you're swinging it great your takeaway looks great go do it go have fun go try to contend and, and win a golf tournament yeah when when you're young when I'm starting out on the tour I mean it, it's so much fun going to these new places and and making a cut finishing 20th is is awesome and I, I remember my mom used to text me of when I was younger of like I'm just I'm just happy you made the cut and and that was kind of my first thing my my first year or two on tour of uh, it's just I'm just happy to be playing the weekend and it has definitely changed now to where I'm not too pumped when I finish 50th even though I made the cut um, I want to contend in golf tournaments so definitely my expectations my, my level has risen to to what it was that my, my first few years on tour you've heard you mentioned the takeaway a couple times and how that's that's something that you guys are, are very honed in on I'm, I'm I'm wondering why it seems to be a big thing for the, the top level pros to focus on the takeaway for, you know, for, uh, you know, for uh, the average listener listening to this, you know, that may not understand the, the the golf swing to the extent that obviously that you do explain why that is, why that's so important and why, you know, maybe at your level, it's not nearly as much about action on the downswing or something like that. I, I, I don't know the answer to this and I'm, I'm curious as to why it's such a, such a big focus point. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak for other guys of, of their swings. I've just really learned a lot more about my swing the past few years. Um, and, it, and if I get my first, the first couple feet of my swing, if it, if I get low on the takeaway and inside, then I'm spending the rest of the swing trying to get it back on plane. Sometimes it could be good, but the consistency there is, is not going to be great. And I know if I keep the club head a little bit outside my hands on the way back and the club head a little higher then it's on in the right spot. And I can just go after it as hard as I can and, and hit my, what I like to hit a little three or four yard fade. But 
at, at this level, you're always working on the little, little small things of we, we started talking through my round in, in Memphis. And I know when I get a little under pressure or I get a little tired, my aim gets a little right. I move the ball position back. And then that affects my backswing of then it comes inside a little more and gets a little lower. And then I start blocking it or drawing it a little more than I want to. So it, it kind of goes hand in hand of that's why you work on the fundamentals so much um, because it does affect your backswing. It does affect your swing of if those get off, then, then you're spending the whole swing trying to correct it because in your brain, you know, you're aimed a little right and, and you're trying to overcompensate for it. That makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing as you're saying it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I do that wrong too. Yep. That applies to me. Yep. That applies to me. <laughs> I've also heard you say that, you know, the stuff you've done in the gym helps with faults in your swing. What, what does that mean? What, how does the gym help there? And I've heard you give a lot of credit to just gym work that you've done in the last few years. What are, what are those faults that the gym addresses and other ways you've seen benefits from just working out? So my, my right hip has always given me trouble. Of I'm not very flexible in, in my hips. I don't, I don't squat very well. I don't know if it's something wrong with the how, how I was born with, with my hip sockets or whatnot, but um, I'm always working on trying to get more range of motion in my backswing and, and into my right hip. So if, if my hip is, is strong and flexible, then I can really get to my, my the top of my backswing and, and hold it and be strong in the backswing. But if, if my hip gets tight and gets weak, then I can't really get into my backswing a whole lot. So every player is different. Everybody has different weaknesses and, and that's one of mine. But every every day I'm home, I, I go in the gym and, and work with uh, work with my trainer, Tom Hemmings. And really every every four weeks or so when I when I come back home, he'll he'll put me through an assessment and, and kind of see see where I'm at of flexibility wise, strength wise, and and then he gets into a plan of, of how we're going to attack it. But I've pretty much had the same weaknesses since we started working probably four years ago. And, and it's something just like my golf swing of, I know I'm going to have to continue to work on that stuff um, with how much we walk on the golf course, how much golf you're playing. It just puts a lot of stress on your hips. 32 years old now, I'm not a fresh out on tour. I mean, this is my 10th year on tour. So I know, I know the importance of taking care of your body and trying to play this game for as long as I can. When, when did you, when did you not, when did you stop feeling young? Is there an age that it starts to feel like, yeah, you know, I'm not, not that young anymore. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably happened a few years ago. I mean, th this past year, uh, during the players I had to withdraw, I had back trouble, low back trouble. I, I've never had low back trouble in my life and started hitting balls on Wednesday. I was going to play uh, nine holes with Harold Varner and Brendan Todd. And I literally get to the first tee and I don't think I can hit a driver a hundred yards. And so I kind of hobbled down that hole, hobbled down number two. I think it's going to loosen up. And then I was like, guys, I, I can't, I can't play. I, I have to, so I walked in on number two and tried to come out and, and give it a go on Thursday morning and, and literally couldn't stand up straight. So <laughs> I know things like that happen. And then we've been working hard to, to get my back a lot better. And it's been, it's been great the past few years, but nobody wants to get injured. And, and that's kind of all we're, we're trying to do in the gym is, is to, stay injury free and, and stay healthy and um, plan for as long as I can. 
So is there any word or any intel you could give us on the Ryder Cup? Have you had any conversations, uh, any implications from captains that you are in the running for a pick or a front runner for pick, anything like that? If I'm looking at the standings and I'm you uh, and the way you've played over the last several months, I would like where I'm standing, but uh, I can't get any rumors or anything out of anyone. I'm hoping you got something for yeah. me. Man, I, I don't. I don't. I, I love I love Stricker. He's been a great mentor for me through the years. Um, we've had a lot of dinners together over the past few years and, and played a lot of golf together. And he's one of my favorite guys on tour. But I, I don't want to put him in that position. I want to I want to get in the top six on on my own merit. So I don't have to be a pick because I, I can't put myself in this position of I don't want to lobby for a pick or I want him to pick who he wants on the team and I'm not going to have hard feelings. If he doesn't pick me, he, he's doing the best for his team and, and he's trying to put together a squad that can go dominate the European. So um, I haven't heard anything. I don't want to, I don't want to prod those guys of, I see Davis all the time here in sea Island. I see Zach. I mean, I, I don't want to put those guys in a position. I, I want to keep doing my thing. I want to keep playing good golf and and to where he either has to pick me or I or I make the team on my own merit I know how important it is to have guys playing playing great golf at the right time and uh it, it's something that I've had on my radar since I got on tour I mean I that's what I miss about playing golf at Georgia um, I played in the Walker Cup in 2011 it was an unbelievable experience and and one that I I know is only going to get better if if I make the Ryder Cup team that was a wonderfully, wonderfully political answer. And if I'll do the dirty work for you if you need me to. I'll campaign for a spot for you. You're checking the boxes. The golf course seems like it'd be a great fit. The numbers check out on my end. So I, I think... Uh, Perfect. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll campaign for you if you if you all do that publicly. But what... Uh, <laughs> you've been, been, been in the game for this long and... How can you, how could you, let's just say hypothetically that you are, you find out you are going to play on the team. How could you begin to prepare yourself to play in an event that will be so polar opposite of anything else you've ever teed it up in? How do you, do you, do you think you try to go out and play the same golf you normally play? Or do you try to steer into the environment and the, the whole different nerve situation that, that you'd be playing in? Have you even given that an ounce of thought? I, I have actually, and I, I definitely would would talk to a, a lot of past Ryder Cup guys down here. Davis, Zach, Kucher, talk to Kalkovecchia. Um, my caddy used to caddy for him. I'd, I'd try to talk to as many guys as I could that had played in the Ryder Cup before and, and just get their take on it or any advice. Of they, if they were in my shoes, what, what kind of advice would they give me? But I, I know um, on the course now I'm, I'm pretty uh, – I show no emotion. I, I try. I try not to. That kind of comes from my mom wanting me to watch Fred Couples, Davis Love on the course when I was a kid. And because I had a pretty bad attitude, I, would, I was a hothead when I was a kid. So she was like, "You, you need to watch Fred Couples, Davis Love on the course." Those guys show no emotion. You don't know if those guys have made a triple or an eagle. That's how you need to be out there. So that's kind of how I've adopted this mentality on the course. But Ryder Cup is a totally different thing, and I love, I really love team golf, and I, I want to get excited, and I think it's going to bring out a, it would bring out a, a totally different side of me, because you finally get to 
cheer on a guy you're playing with, whether it's Justin or Kylan or Speed, that's a lot of fun. And that, that really gets me excited because that, that's what I miss about team sports. I love playing basketball when I was younger. I love playing soccer. We don't get to do that a whole lot on the PGA Tour. And we all probably have come from sports backgrounds where we played all these other sports. And that's what we miss. And I, I feel like I'd be a, a great teammate. But I, it, it could bring out a totally different side of me. I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I guess I did a little bit in the Walker Cup. But you got to play into it. I mean, that's what it's all about. Playing into the crowd, getting riled up. That sounds really fun and all. I just don't know how that, how you, how you uh, channel that into playing your best golf too. You know, I don't yeah, know how you marry yeah. the two things. Uh, uh, I agree. I agree. But I guess that's where you lean on guys who have done it before. Because I feel like Kucher and I are, are really close. He's he's helped me a lot over the years from the shark shootout stuff. I mean, he he's been a great friend, and I feel like we have the same type of demeanor on the course and. Um, he'd be a great guy to lean on. He's played in a lot of Ryder Cups, um, a lot of President's Cups. So he, he'd be a guy to really lean on and give me some, some advice on how to channel that because you're right. That's a, a totally different atmosphere. And I guess every everybody's different and everybody's got to use it to their advantage of, of ultimately playing, playing the best golf they can. Well, if I'm looking at the U.S. team, we have, we've talked a little bit about the Brooks Bryson thing going on. Uh, Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth and Captain Furyk had, you know, a bit of a, I don't know what you want to call what happened there in Paris. So if, I, if I'm saying, you know, if I'm sensing, you know, kind of a little bit of difficulty in the U.S. team room, I, I can't help but ask, but you've had, uh, Patrick Reed was a college teammate of yours. Uh, you guys have, a, a, I guess, a bit of a history together. What's your, what's your relationship like? What, what is that history and what is your relationship like with Patrick Reed? So Patrick and I are, are great friends now. We work with the same trainer on the road, so I, I see him a lot. I haven't played with him in a while, but we're great friends now. I, I think he's, I don't know if grown up is the right word. But uh, he, he's gotten a lot better. He, he doesn't feel like everybody's out to get him now, which I, I like because Patrick is, is a great guy. He's, he's, gotten, he, he's softened up a bit, which, which I, I really like. But I, I've known Patrick since I was probably 12 or 13 years old playing in junior tournaments. He was probably a year or two younger than me. But I remember playing with him in the Southern Junior actually at Sea Island when I was 13 or 14. So we, we go way back and... Um, obviously played him in the final round of the NCAAs in, in Stillwater, Georgia versus Augusta State. He beat me two and one, which it wasn't the fact that I was playing him. I mean, it was the fact that we never won a national championship when I was at Georgia. So that that's one of the things that kind of sticks in my mind of uh, I wish we won a national championship. We had one of the best teams, if not the best team over the four years I was there. And if he was on our team my senior year, I mean, we would have no doubt won the national championship because he's an unbelievable match play player, unbelievable player. But he would be a guy I would have no problem playing with in the Ryder Cup with his craftiness, with his short game, with his putting, with his will to win. I mean, I, I've rarely seen a guy with with the will to win like he has. And that comes out at the Ryder Cup. That comes out in team events. I witnessed it firsthand when he beat me at the NCAA championship. I mean, he's, he's tough and I, I would have no problem getting paired with him. I think personally him and Bryson will be a great matchup with Bryson smashing drivers. Patrick can play from anywhere. You can literally put him in a trash can and he'll figure it out how to chip it up there to three feet. He's one of the best chippers I've ever seen. 
Um, so I think they would be a, actually an awesome pairing. Um, I think they get along really well. You could say they're have the same type personalities of being a little bit of the outcast. I don't really see it that way, but I'm sure the the public sees it that way of they can kind of use, use that fuel to help their team. What just total, total hypothetical here from a from a golf playing perspective? Would it be difficult to be paired with Bryson in foursomes in alt shot? Uh, just thinking about like if there, if I could characterize one player in professional golf that it makes the most sense that this guy should just play his own ball, uh, just style of play, and just the whole you can call it scientific method of calculating and all that thing. It seems like he would be extremely difficult, not even from a personality perspective, to play with in foursomes. That is totally from me sitting at home. You as one of his peers, would that is? Am I onto something there, or is that totally just kind of something you could easily adjust to? That that would be tough. He'd be a great best ball partner. That's what I'm thinking. He's he's going to make a ton of birdies. But for me, alternate shot, I, I feel like you need to play with a guy that plays a similar game as you. Because it's tough with Bryson, you can't you can't club off of him because he he hits probably right. two clubs longer than you. You have no idea if he's trapping it or he's taking some off. You have no idea what he's doing. So yeah, for for me that would be tough playing with a guy in, in alternate shot. But that's what I'm saying. I think Patrick would yeah. love that. He would love that challenge of like, hey, hit it as close to the green as you can. I've got one of the best short games on the PGA Tour. I can get up and down from anywhere. So I think they would be actually a dominant pairing. Man, you're getting me excited for the Ryder Cup. I thought I was already excited, but <laughs> that's uh, that's a, that's some good insight. Some other we got a lot of a lot of events to cover for you this year, but I, I I'd imagine there's a certain jitter that comes over you when you stand on the tee for the first playoff hole of a tour event. Compare that to standing on the eighth eighth playoff hole of a tour event. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> do you get a certain level of of exhaustion of nerves to the point where you know, it doesn't even feel like you're necessarily playing for a championship anymore. Take us, take us to the Travelers this year. Well, when I, I knew what it meant making the the putt on 18 in regulation. I, I knew 17 was going to be hard to birdie. That pin on 18 was tough to get to with how downwind it was. So I knew making that putt in regulation 18 was going to be tough to beat. I, I didn't think, I knew it could probably tie, and it was going to be tough to beat, but. Um, I was playing with Jason Day that day, and and he was awesome. After I made that putt, he was like, just stay ready. I know you're one shot in the lead right now, but just stay ready. Be up for anything. So, I mean, that that's pretty cool for a guy like that to to give me that advice. And I, I signed my scorecard, went straight to the range. I, I knew anything could happen. Um, and I heard the roar of Kramer making putt on 18. But, but definitely the first playoff hole, you're a little more nervous than as you keep going. On the eighth playoff hole, I wasn't nervous at all. I was just ready to get done. I was ready to end it. But it, it was easy to get tired. Long, long day out there. But my caddy, Eric, kept me in it. The fans were incredible. They were just like punch drunk by the end of it. I, yeah, I, I think it, alcohol, it was amazing. Alcohol it, sales probably cut off and they were just kind of just kept the kept the energy flowing somehow. Yeah, but but that gave us the energy to keep going. I mean, they they didn't really want to see anybody win. I mean, yeah, they're chanting Kramer out there, which added a little more fuel to me of I want to prove these people wrong or, or win this to just in, in spite of them yelling Kramer. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, I I had not played with Kramer before. I I've been around him a few times. He's a great guy, and it was one of those long calculated boxing matches to where. 
yeah, yeah, we didn't make any birdies, but um, I thought it was a great grind. Um, we we ju- we both showed a lot of heart. He made some clutch spots. I made some clutch spots. Uh, we were both having a lot of fun, and and luckily I'm, I made that putt on the eighth hole, or we could we could still be playing right now. Can you compare getting in contention these days with maybe earlier in your career? Does it ever get easier? Does it get less nerve wracking? Is there a sense of you know? I've been here before, I've done this before, and it's not going to be the end of the world either way with this outcome. I'm wondering if you could just share, I never know what I'm looking at when I'm watching a player in contention, like what they're dealing with, you know, because everyone's always so stoic, but what's going on inside? Yeah, it definitely does get easier because my, my first couple years on tour, you know how much a top 20 finish gets or, or a top 10 finish. And on, on the 18th hole, a guy could be in, 13th place and he has a, a birdie putt to get in seventh and hell yeah he's going to be nervous because he knows how many fedex cup points come with that he knows how much money comes with that um but it but it definitely changes as, as you get older as you put yourself more in those spots of when you're in 12th place you're now now i feel like when i'm in 12th place when i'm in 15th place i'm, I'm trying to keep moving up i'm i'm way more aggressive than I used to be of, of like settling, like, I don't want to drop back any spots or I want to kind of hold my position. Now, now I'm like, I I just want to get in contention. I want to have a chance to win. Yeah. It it changes for sure. Like, uh, I mean, I was pretty nervous. I would say coming down 18 at the U S open this past year, because I know I I knew if I made Eagle at, at 18, that I'd have a chance to win the tournament. And that, that changes, that kind of changes everything. Um, so, so yeah, as you move through your career, as you get more experience, as you put yourself in position so much more, it definitely gets easier. And I think that's why you see a lot of, of the top players keep getting contention and keep pushing it. Like that, that really all they're satisfied with is, is winning. If they don't win, it doesn't mean anything to them. And, to be at that place in the game is, is pretty cool. And I know everybody would like to be at that, that place in the game. Well, what is it? I want to talk about major championships. You know, you've had two top five finishes the last two U.S. Opens here. And I feel like you'll have some some good perspective on, especially when it comes to guys like Brooks, guys like Louie that have just seemed to, no matter what, rise towards the top of leaderboards by the end of the week in major championships. In what ways, I think I can probably name a couple ways just from viewing, but from playing, what what's different about major championships in terms of what you're being tested on, what skills are rewarded, and honestly kind of why we see a lot of the same names improve uh, at, at tournaments when everyone is trying to truly peak? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And one, one that I've, I've kind of asked myself, over the past probably seven or eight years that I've, I feel like I've gotten more of a handle on, on why the same guys compete in every single major, why, why the cream rises to the top. Um, because it is truly harder. It, it, the, the courses are a lot more demanding. The pins are tougher. It, it, uh, it benefits the guy who not, not plays safe, but plays smart that you have to, you, you, have to know where the green lights are you have to know where the yellow lights are and you have to abide by that because if you start playing too aggressive if you get on the wrong side of it it's if you miss the green it's way harder to get up and down 
And then it's, it's kind of a mental challenge of then do you press it the next hole or do you stick to your strategy? And major championships are, are just a, a whole different animal of you've got to stay in it. You've got to keep plugging away at it. Um, I, I've heard not from Tiger himself, but kind of how he treats majors of the first day he's just trying to get it around, have a good round. And then like each day he kind of ramps it up and gets himself in contention come Saturday. And then he, then he presses the pedal down. I feel like a lot of guys try to get off to such a good start to try to press the pedal down too early and it can go either one way or the other. And, and a lot of times it goes the other way and they shoot themselves out of the tournament. So you, you gotta be such a, <laughs> is patient the word? I don't know how to say it. Patience. Yeah. Patience is 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 what it is. And, and I've I've just learned that the the past couple of years of playing in more majors and and figuring out how to attack these golf courses and looking at the guys who keep continuing to to play well. And it, it's kind of the same recipe of yeah, Brooks got a lot of heat for saying that it's easier to win majors than it is a regular tour event, but I'm I'm starting to understand now why he said that and what his mentality is going into majors, because a lot of people shoot themselves out of the tournament playing, trying to play the same way they play at a travelers or John Deere, but it's a totally different mindset. It's a totally different patience level. And until you get yourself in that and think the way they think, then it's hard to, it's hard to contend in those majors because everybody makes it a bigger deal than it is. And, and until you make it, point A to point B, trying to play the whole, how it's designed or, or strategy. Uh, I think that's why Speed does so well in majors. That's why he does so good at Augusta because he knows how to play that golf course and he could be playing good. He can be playing bad going in the tournament, but he knows how to play that golf course and he knows the mentality that it takes to put himself in contention for that tournament. And, and I don't really know how to, how to put this into words. Maybe you can a little bit better than I can, but it, it just, it feels like major championships are set up better to separate players out right and the pga tour it i don't want to say it's almost more nerve-wracking but it almost feels like it, it's it's gonna be it's almost set up to be we kind of would w rather have a lot of people in the running near the end of this tournament and that's why i kind of think it turns into a little bit of putting contest from time to time and you, the they want the tour wanting a bit of a somewhat uniform setup week to week in terms of green speeds Pins are probably pretty similar course to course. They're kind of tucked in corners, but in smoother spots than, than you may see in major championships. Am I, am I right in saying all those things? And how would you kind of define the, the difference in the tests? Yeah, I, I think you're 100% correct. And you, you can kind of see it every year at Augusta, where I, I feel like the first couple of days at Augusta, the pins are way harder than they are on the weekend um, because they, they want to separate guys. They want to they see who's who's at the top of the game and, and who's not. And and that's where the patient patience comes into play of if you do get one or two over to Augusta, you may feel like you're out of the tournament, but you're really not. You just got to keep plugging along and, and wait for those green lights of holes you can get. And, and I see it every play Augusta and I'm starting to figure it out more and more of, of that's the mindset that they're, that's the player that they're trying to cater to is, is a guy who has the most patience and understands that, you can't win it on Thursday and Friday, but you can sure enough shoot yourself out of the tournament on Thursday or Friday. Patrick Cantley said something once on this podcast about how how he plays tournament golf and how he 
kind of releases himself from the result and, and kind of tries to view it through the lens of like, whatever happens in this tournament is a reflection of what I've done to this point, right? And it's kind of, I, I find that interesting. I can never channel that myself for a, for a tournament, but I would, if you could channel that, it sounds like it'd be really freeing. One, does that make any sense to you? And do you, two, is that like a familiar uh, feeling that you try to replicate in any ways? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the mindset I definitely take with me to the putting green of when, when I'm over a six footer, when I'm almost over a, a crucial putt, I'm really thinking about, man, I've, I, I've hit a thousand of these this past week. Like I've put in the work, just let my mind go. And I know my strokes great. I know I've been reading these things great. So just, just let it go. And I, I think that's what he's talking about is the work that he puts in the weeks leading up to it. And, and, Patrick works harder than anybody, and it's probably the, the most calculated guy I've ever been around, which which I love. I love that about him. But I, I think that's what he's getting at is it, it does set your mind free of, of not trying to to grind too much, of, of saying, I've put in the work. I know I'm in a great spot and just let it happen. Well, we'll get you out of here on this. And the sale has pretty much already been made by uh, a friend of yours, Keith Mitchell, when I asked him about Sea Island Life, what the appeal of Sea Island is and why uh, why tour pros flock there. But I, I want to ask you that, see if you have any different answers to as to what the main uh, the main pitch of uh, of Sea Island Life is like, and uh, you know whether or not whether or not you're a made man in the mafia yet. <laughs> um, so I've been down here for about ten years. I, I moved down here right when I graduated from Georgia. Um, but I, I grew up in a small town, uh, Moultrie, Georgia, probably three hours west of here. Coming out of college, I, I kind of had some choices of Atlanta, Chattanooga, where I went to high school, or here. And w- what I really like about this place is I don't feel like we're treated differently than the doctors or lawyers or any any people in this community. We're just another resident of, of St. Simons. And that's what I like about it is everybody's pulling on you. You feel like you have the support. And, but when we go to the golf course, we're just a, another person. I mean, you, you kind of have a, a lot of people to, to deflect off of, of, of there's so many tour pros here that people aren't really starstruck or talk to you about golf a whole lot. Um, but I, I love how laid back it is. I mean, I, I live probably a mile from where I practice and, and work out. Um, because when you're on the road for four or five weeks in a row and I come back here, I don't, I don't really want to do a whole lot. I don't, I don't want to drive a whole lot. I don't want to sit at red lights. You can always get into restaurants here. It's like our own little community of, it's just a great place. Go to the beach, go fishing, go hunting, Harmon and and Pat and Hud. Those guys love to hunt a lot. I'll, I'll go with them some, but it's just a great spot. Super laid back, super low key. And, and just, you, you feel like you can breathe here. You feel like it, Everything just relaxes and you can, you can take a breath, regroup, and then get ready to go back on the road again. Hmm. Sounds like a, sounds like a golf utopia. Honestly, you can't, you can't <laughs> live in sea Island and not get better at golf. Also just between the practice facilities and all those courses and you, you're doing something a lot, very wrong if you don't get better at golf in sea Island. So uh, I agree. I agree. So awesome. Well, best of luck in the upcoming playoffs. Thanks a ton for, for joining and, uh, and detailing uh, your season and career and all that. And uh, again, I'll, I'll keep the campaigning going for, for your Ryder Cup spot. So leave that with me. And, uh, and yeah, best <laughs> of luck. And we'll hopefully do it again sometime soon. Solly, appreciate it, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. You bet. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! 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 Yeah!
Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything. 